0: Hello, everyone listening in. This is The Underheard Word, where we highlight articles that may not make the biggest headlines, but they will make you think. My
1: name is Jeff. And my name is Amy, and we are your hosts. Thank you again for listening in. Be sure to subscribe to our channel and to all of our social media accounts so that you don't miss an update.
0: Yep, can't miss those updates.
1: (laughs) All right, so tonight... We are actually going to go off course a little bit. Normally, we kind of just find articles that kind of pique our interest a little bit that may fly under most front page headlines, but that, you know, we, we do want to discuss. We do kind of want to read to light. But tonight, we're actually going to be a little bit topical, something that was a little bit of a rabbit hole for us. It's, um, it started with An article I noticed uh, maybe about a week or so ago, and it was about cars. So you know we all drive vehicles, I assume, pretty regularly. But this this article was about how how cars have kind of lost their feeling a little bit, like kind of a little bit of emotion. I at least I thought it was going to be a little bit of an emotional type of article, but it was more more or less about the steering of cars. So that kind of prompted a little bit digger deeping into how cars are are changing a little bit you know how they have changed so many of these articles come from Ars Technica and this first one by Jonathan Gitlin is entitled here's why modern cars feel so lifeless to drive people say only enthusiasts care about steering field but that's not true So it it goes into a little bit of background and Jeff, maybe you can correct me, but uh, back in, I mean, cars started gaining mainstream in the public about what time, like what time did they go from kind of being a little bit laughed at because, you know, uh, people thought they were a waste of energy, waste of, you know, it was much easier to tend to a horse and cart. Or to just walk on foot than to deal with something big and clunky like a car. But about what time would you say cars started becoming mainstream?
0: Uh, well, that's kind of uh it started back in like the early 1900s when they were first starting to make these. There was the goofiness, the, nope. oh, a horse is more reliable. I'd say probably mm-hmm. around the 30s, but that was always considered like rich people would right. only have these things. Mm-hmm. It was maybe more towards the 40s i would say when cars became a little more mass public and then absolutely from the 50s on it was all everybody was getting cars left and right every family had it, at least had a car at that point it was like the new thing
1: sure and, and these cars when you when first drove them at least back in the 50s how much effort did you have to take to turn the wheel
0: Yeah, you probably tore your rotator cuff trying to go around a sharp turn at like at a measly fifteen miles per hour. Like there was no power steering, no assisted steering. It was all you.
1: Right. Yeah. How and uh, kind of got a little bit of workout in for your arms. It was arms day every day if you were driving. It sounded like.
0: Yep, that was an exercise in and of itself.
1: Mm -hmm. So when when were power like assists kind of implemented in cars? Was that? when was Uh, that considered like a new technology
0: i want to say more like around the 70s but -hmm. i am not the expert on that
1: okay but well it's it's pretty much safe to say that that was very well received with people and now now you can't even i don't think you could even get a car even an older vehicle right even those have probably been uh like maybe like a 50s classic car has probably been modified in some way too.
0: You can modify them. A lot of people like to keep these like stock, like original. Mm -hmm. A lot of times if you're you're of a younger age or you're an older age and you just, you want the beautiful car, but you want the modern accessories to Mm -hmm. it, like air conditioning and like MP3 players and assisted steering and a better like transmission. You can absolutely do that. It just comes down it'll just come down to how much you want to pay for that. Sure.
1: Yeah. So I'm kind of highlighting back into the article a little bit. This is kind of what the the article talks about it in that cars feeling lifeless is that there's no steering feel to it. I mean, you really, I mean, you can i I've seen people turn cars with their knees. They just like lift their knee up and turn the wheel that way. That's how easy it is really to, to turn a car these days, but is it, does it kind of take away a little bit of the emotion of, Driving is it and and as cars get you know more advanced I mean the, the article goes into a little bit about like advanced hydraulic system electric motors that now assist I guess there's uh as of now there's there are fewer moving parts in the hydraulic systems, or I'm sorry, there are no hydraulic lines or fluid to worry about and systems are getting cheaper. Being electrically controlled means that you can even accommodate features like lane keeping assistance or auto steering. So it kind of sounds like in order for cars to advance on other fronts, they need even less assistance from the driver. And that kind of brings about to, you know, what we kind of dug ourselves into was like what, where is the future of driving is how much does the driver actually play a role these days in actually driving their cars?
0: Yeah. I mean, I would find myself getting increasingly bored with the more automated things get. I I like to drive. So I like, I like some old school things. I don't like a lot of new school things, but Mm -hmm. there's, there's a middle ground for everybody.
1: Yeah, well, even even this this article kind of says like even people who regard car, a car as just an appliance to get from point A to point B will prefer driving a car with good steering. So there is there is some sort of I guess a, a, I don't know if emotion is the right word, but like a connection or a consciousness to steering the car. I think part of it is just your reaction there's people who pay more attention on the road than, than others, but um, you know, driving a car does require a lot of focus. Yeah. Usually. I mean, even when you think you're, you're on your phone or something, you are still driving. It's um, it's not something you can really multitask at, but you know, with, with less um, with less force behind even something as simple as steering, even going from like lane lane to lane on the highway, you know, it does require you to to look around, to be conscious of your surroundings and to actually move the wheel, but, but at the, at the same time, as these cars are getting more advanced, now there's, you know, assisted or a lane assistance. There's actually mechanics in the car and technology in the car that keeps you in your lane. And I've, I have driven a car with that feature. And I actually found it very annoying because It. what was it even if you like just kind of drift a little bit over into the lane it's it kind of sends off all these lights and signals and and noises I actually I think I found a way to turn it off in the car I was renting because it was just it was bothering me so much so there's a little bit of of that too but yeah even uh so the article kind of a little bit of a conclusion here. here is with sufficient motivation, cars can still be engineered to provide engagement. I guess that's, that's kind of the word I was maybe looking for earlier rather yeah. than being conscious or, or emotional or feeling an engagement. It goes on, an engaged driver is usually an alert one, but good steering takes time and costs money to develop into and on top of the increased bill of materials. So for now, an emphasis on steering is the preserve of expensive brands like Porsche. For car, cars built to a price, we're, st- we're still waiting for a 21st century Perry Jones to find a way to inject some fun. So um, I, it, it, even the author of this article was a, and trying to see who, Perry Jones was a longtime Ford employee who rose to become chief technology officer of the company after overseeing a string of products such as the Focus, Mondeo, Puma, and Ka that were a joy to drive even at the basic trim label. Uh, levels. And I I had a Ford Focus and it was, it was fun, fun to drive. But so uh, this, this kind of actually started a little bit, like I said, like a little bit of a rabbit hole with uh, just the advancement of cars these days. So um, uh, moving on to sort of uh, the next article is more about a little, a little bit, maybe less with that engagement and more with safety. So I don't I don't know. Before we go on, do you have any comments about power steering? Anything additional to add, Jeff?
0: No, the only other thing I would probably talk about with the engagement level is I miss manual transmission. That's about it.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's well. That's actually the standard in Europe. Yeah. Uh, in, here in America, the uh, and larger
0: vehicles. Yeah yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Here in the U.S., it's it's almost like a premium to get. Yeah. To get that, it. it's getting rarer and rarer. To, yeah. f- to find those i mean i think you probably still get well like even like a ford mustang with yeah
0: you gotta spend some money though
1: manual yeah the what is it the more sporty the higher end the cars to, with like maybe the hemi or like a hellcat or something that's probably more likely to have manual yeah. no you don't think so
0: no you have to i think you have to special order the really? manual transmissions for like a dodge Challenger hellcat uh-huh. pretty sure you have to special order that or if it came with it it was probably one of like a limited number that did right and uh, i was looking back it was the 1950s when uh power steering started to be developed
1: okay late
0: 50s late that's 50s. so correction to my earlier comment of thinking it was the 70s it was yeah. not it was the 50s when it was being developed
1: okay i'm trying to think if i don't know if like big semi trucks are they are they manual
0: some are some are not depends on when they were built and okay again how much you wanted to pay for it
1: sure okay yeah so but but if you in Europe I think pretty much all cars there are uh, manual transmission so they I'm trying to recall I've been to Europe a few times and I, I don't ever recall being in a vehicle that was actually automatic I think all the vehicles I were in were manual from the taxis to my co-workers' cars. Sure. Uh-huh. Yeah, but here, here it's funny, when Europeans come over here and they, they rent cars here, they actually are a little um disengaged because there's no manual transmission. They're, they're not used to not having that stick shift.
0: They reach for the there. phantom stick shift that's yes, not there.
1: Yes, they do. They do. All right, so kind of moving on then again to the next article is Again, from Ars Technica by, again, Jonathan Gitlin, IIHS will rate driver assists like Autopilot and Super Cruise for safety. So on Thursday, and this was actually a week ago, Thursday, the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety announced that it is creating a rating system for hands-free advanced driver assistance systems like Tesla's Autopilot and General Motors Super Cruise. Later this year, IIHS will issue its first set of ratings with grading levels of good, acceptable, marginal, or poor. Having a good driver monitoring system will be vital to getting a good grade. Also, Consumer Reports revealed that it, too, will consider the safety of such tech features, adding points if there is a good driver monitoring system. Consumer Reports says that so far, only Super Cruise and Ford's Blue Cruise systems are safe enough to get those extra points. Meanwhile, for Model year 2024, consumer reports will start subtracting points for cars that offer partial automation without pr- proper driver monitoring. So it seems to me like cars are getting more automated in as far as keeping the driver safe. It sounds like there's a shift from, you know, uh, the driver driving safely to the car ensuring that the driver is safe. That's kind of the the gist I'm getting from this article, just looking ahead a little bit. Okay. So specifically, these are vehicles that combine an adaptive cruise control function, which reacts to vehicles in the path ahead and slows down to match their speed. So cruise control goes from just adjusting, you, you know, you set a speed and you're the car adjusts based, you know, if you're going uphill or downhill, or if you're going around a curve to being conscious of cars or objects around it. So it will, if there's a car ahead of you, would, instead of maintaining that speed, you being responsible for going around the car, it slows down. So it keeps you safe, supposedly. I don't, I don't know. To me, that's not, <laughs> that That seems a little like it won't quite keep you safe because, I mean, what if, you know, Does if the car slows down, for how how slow will it go, you know, and how right. fast will it react? Like, it, it, is this something that if the car ahead of you slams on its brakes, does it slam on its brakes too, or are you responsible for for that. So at what point does it become your responsibility? It, do, it does say that the human driver is re- entirely responsible for situational awareness at all times. Hence the requirement for a driver monitoring system that ensures that's actually happening. So at the same time, it, it's monitoring, the car is monitoring objects around the car, but it's also monitoring you. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that? At that
0: point, you might as well just drive the damn car yourself and turn off all the automated crap. I hate to make a pop culture joke here, but like the car should be more like Demolition Man, where they need to focus more on the safety of the driver, as in like actual safety features, like filling the car with foam around somebody (laughs) upon impact.
1: Yeah, Uh,
0: like if you're hitting a, a high enough speed. The, the impact would fill a car with foam and you're what, protected. What, the type, car...
1: what type of foam though? <laughs> I mean, is there something? Well, the I, I don't or... know
0: how, I don't know how oh. legit that would be, but that's just <laughs> okay, like we're talking... things like that, like features like that, like going super automated. We're not there yet. You're asking the person to be more aware of all the electronics going on in a car. So do you need an IT degree to go along uh, with your driver's license or is the car going to be monitoring how stupid you are at all times?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I just I see this as a way of people paying less and less attention to the the car. I, I think especially if you know you're just especially if you're just learning to drive and there's all these features in there, it's almost I don't know. I, I think back to the story. I don't know if this was ever true, but kind of when cruise control was first being brought into the public people thought it was like automatic driving and there were people who got into accidents because they thought that if they set it to cruise control it'll the car will just drive itself and if, if you did you hear any stories
0: no like i i've never heard that but i can that, believe, i can believe the yeah, stupidity
1: that might just be like you know old wives tale well, type of
0: at least with something at least with something like that there was always the default. If you even lightly tap the brake, it turns the cruise control off. Whereas I can see people thinking, oh, all I have to do is hit the cancel button to turn Mm -hmm. it off. And they're fumbling around trying to turn it off. When if you're paying attention, you can use your foot uh, as a default method. That's more manual than a button.
1: Yeah, I think, I think, I don't know, you put put too much reliance into the car itself and the the driver. To me, it's, it, it may not, we may not see this right away. It might be like the next generation of drivers where it's they might be a little bit more relaxed on the road and just, I mean, because driving driving, you go through what the learn, I don't know what teenagers go through these days, but you know, you get your learner's permit, you take take a written course or take yes, yeah, so you take a written exam, go through a few courses, you take your driving exam and you know, your license to, to drive on the road, but it does take a lot of experience to actually get good at driving and to, to feel confident in driving. That's something that can take a while to develop. And it, it kind of depends a little bit on where you live too. driving in the city and driving on high the highways is, is much different than driving on the back road, which do present their own problems too. There was one time we were driving through a uh, I believe it was Nebraska and didn't it? I think it had just rained the night before and we took a uh, sort of an old country road. Oh yeah. yeah. Back. And it was, you know, I don't even think it was like a, a paved road. It was pretty much gravel and it was basically like ice almost. It yeah. Was, you hated that. It was very difficult to drive. We actually got back on a, a paved street as soon as we could. We, we took the side road to, cause it was supposed to be a little bit shorter. But with the road being so slick, it was actually more dangerous. And that's that's just something that you you can only really get experience by being on the road a lot and actually driving on the road a lot. And with so many automated features, uh, you know, at, at one point, do you start if something goes wrong? Do you is it a feature default or is it a driver default? So that's something that you know could potentially be up for discussion as, as more and more cars implement this type of technology.
0: I'd be curious where insurance wants to field that kind of question as well, because if you're paying car insurance, well, mm-hmm. does your car insurance cover like a computer breakdown of some, for some reason, or mm-hmm. is it considered an act of God, or is it considered, you know, I'd be curious to hear what the insurance companies think about something like this.
1: Right. Yeah, that, that's a whole nother beast right there is is insurance on on these types of vehicles so speaking of uh you know just cruise control and and auto driving and everything another ars technica article by jonathan gitlin uh manslaughter charges follow tesla drivers autopilot red light run so back in um december of 2019 there was a tesla driver Uh, it was December 29th, 2019, took place in Gardena, California. The Tesla Model S, owned by Kevin Ried, Ried? I'm sorry if I don't pronounce that correctly, um, exited State Route 91, failed to stop at a red light, and collided with a Honda Civic, killing both of that car's occupants, Joe Moralto Alcazar Lopez and Maria Guadalupe Nieves Lopez. I apologize again if I mispronounce these names. Within days, the NHTSA, um, National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, announced it would investigate the incident, one of a growing number of cases involving Tesla autopilot that the agency is looking into. So this, again, kind of brings into question the autopilot of a car that's supposed to be, you know, again, more responsible for safety and following laws and regulations than the driver you know where does that stop and where does driver responsibility start so we did actually drive in we did drive in or not drive but we were passengers in one a, a car like this once in vegas yeah a
0: self-drive taxi a
1: self-drive taxi yep and there were two drivers in there it was actually kind of it was more of a beta run It sounded like they were Yeah, one
0: was the scientist, one was the other driver who had more control over the car. He Mm -hmm. could turn the sensors on and off as needed with the traffic Mm -hmm. because they were trying to teach the car how to read the situations and everything along the strip.
1: Mm -hmm. So when it comes to like teaching the car though, is that a driver responsibility? Or should you, when you get the car, should it already be, you know, smart enough to know or smart enough and be programmed to be aware, be aware of its surroundings.
0: Yeah. That, that'll come down to, it sounds like for that, they're just trying to teach the computer everything, the one time, and mm-hmm. hopefully they can port that over to everybody's computer, like an operating system. Like mm-hmm. it's already got a fundamental knowledge of situations that are going on, but hopefully things don't glitch and there's always continual updates and patches.
1: Right. Yeah. And, and not everybody's driving situation is going to be the same. Like I said, yeah. driving in a city is much different than driving out in the country. So are there things that, uh, you know, a quote unquote city car might know that a country car doesn't and vice versa. So that's something to you know consider as well. I mean, that's just another step in just ty- this type of technology and this type of research. And there, there are, Couple times this author mentions in previous articles that you know we're still years away from full self-driving cars. It, it kind of seems like I, I don't know. To be honest, I don't think we'll ever get to the point where a car is one hundred percent fully self-driving.
0: Not in our lifetime, anyway.
1: Mm-mm. I don't even know if we'd, we'd get close.
0: No, I. Uh, we are. I would say we are quite a ways off. There's because
1: there's so many variables well, when yeah, you drive. Like,
0: until you have a car that has the feature like our like on your SUV you have mud snow sand and you have like four different settings mm-hmm. until a car comes with the option that oh i'm on city driving but with a mm-hmm. highway but right. no i'm going out to the country no i'm going on a road trip and it's going through five major metropolitan cities and you got to keep changing the dial or you got to program right. it on the on your pad and yeah. it's got to understand when you get there or if you don't want to go a certain speed I don't know.
1: Yeah, so it but it, again it's it's kind of the whole driving experience is shifting away from physically driving and going more to relying on technology to get you where you're going and to get you there safely. So again, the, you know, the the self-driving cars is just another factor in that very well. And speaking of all this technology, again, another article from Ars Technica. I again, we kind of dug into a little bit of a, a rabbit hole with, with all of these articles. It was a, a bit of fun, but it also kind of makes you really think about where cars are going this is
0: a good website to get yes. news across the board so we just decided to keep picking at this one
1: yeah at the cars article yeah. and the you know they're they're very they're pretty short articles but they do kind of, they, there's a lot of links to them like like i said you could get pretty deep with with this whole technology and sort of where it's going and what that means for you, you know, as, as a driver, but this one was kind of funny. Teen hacker finds bug that lets him control 25 plus Teslas remotely. David Colombo. I think, I think that's the teen hacker says it's the owner's faults, not an infrastructure vulnerability. So a young hacker and it security researcher found a way to remotely interact with more than 25 Tesla electric vehicles in 13 countries. According to a Twitter thread he posted yesterday, he was able to disable a car's remote camera system, unlock doors, open windows, and begin keyless driving. He could also determine the car's exact location. So this, again, kind of brings up this technology in your car that's supposed to be very convenient for you, but it's also a way for a hacker to get in, find your car, start it up. Drive it. I I mean, I don't know if he could actually drive it. No, he could not drive it. But if we're going on to self-driving cars, where that's a little bit more programmed, you know, where would that be a, you know, worry? Yeah, would would that be an open door to a hacker one day?
0: It very well could be. Mm -hmm. That's a very crazy article. Oh my god.
1: Yeah. So um he, he did report the issue to Tesla security team, which is investigating the matter. I don't think they, I don't think they went after. No, I don't, I don't he think it brought it to their
0: attention. It, right. You hear these every once in a while from like hacker groups that are, we're just trying to see what issues there are. We're going to bring them to the company. Right. Sometimes right. these places like to hire
1: these hackers right.
0: because they found shit like this.
1: Yeah. But there could definitely be more nefarious hackers uh, out yeah. there who could, who could do a lot of damage with this, you know, kind of backdoor into people's vehicles. I mean, to know the exact location of these vehicles in, that's in, in, the in 13 part. different countries. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. That, that is concerning. Cause then you could remotely start the car, open a window. No, you know, where the car's at, get into it and, you know, steal it or steal valuables in it. So that's. Very far away from uh, using a wire coat hanger to jimmy open a a actual car. Like I don't even know if cars have actual keys to unlock doors.
0: I don't know about these days
1: or or cars in general. I mean, any new vehicle these days. I don't even think everything's a fob these days. I don't know if there's an actual key. Older cars. Older cars. Well, I'm trying to think. I rented a car last year, and um, I think I actually think it had a key still, but I, I think it was an older model. Yeah. So again, this is just one more one more uh concern to be about as far as cars going. And it and again, kind of just removing the driver because if you can do all of these things from your from I mean if, if a hacker get it, get into it, I mean obviously i yeah, I'm sure the technology is there for an app. You could start your I think actually my car I could start with an app. When I first isn't it, it um, on star or something like that. I don't know if it's on star, but oh, okay. um okay I do think there was an app I could I think I had to pay for it.
0: Oh, probably.
1: Yeah. And I remember having like a thirty-day trial or something with it. And I don't think it even really worked all that well. Probably, so well, yeah. So I don't even, uh, I don't even think I got too much into that. Yeah, I think. I think. So I wouldn't be surprised if there are more apps available that you can like remotely start cars. But again, that just gives a backdoor to hackers to, you know, one, one more, one more privacy concern, one more. You know, aspect of your life that can get infiltrated by, you know,
0: keep your somebody, eyes and or Somebody
1: wanting your information. So, nope. so our last article is—I don't know—would you say this one's about cars or about planes?
0: I don't know. Let's go. Let's go fly so, off. The so cliff this, with one, this one, this
1: one's actually from the epic times or the epoch times, depending on if you're European. If you're from, I think if you're from Europe, it's pronounced epoch, and if you're from North America, it's pronounced epic times. I
0: don't even know myself.
1: <laughs> so flying. This one's by Catabella Roberts. Flying cars certified to fly, paving way for mass production of quote very efficient flying cars. A hybrid car airplane known as the air car has been issued a certification of airworthiness by the Slovakian Civil Aviation Authority, potentially paving the way for the future of flying vehicles. The dual mode car aircraft vehicle, which looks like a sports car, was created by a team of eight highly skilled specialists at the Slovakian company Kleinvision, which is founded by Professor Stefan Klein, who has spent the last 20 years making the flying car a reality. So he actually did a little bit of work with also Audi, Volkswagen, and BMW. He was pretty much a a researcher for their, their projects. So this car plane actually successfully completed 70 hours of rigorous flight testing compatible with European Aviation Safety Agency, And flight. These flight tests included over 200 takeoffs, landings, and a full range of various flight and performance maneuvers that demonstrated astonishing static and dynamic stability in the aircraft mode. I don't really know what that means. (laughs) I don't know if the car was doing barrel rolls or anything, but uh,
0: hey, that'd be sweet.
1: But so the article goes on. It doesn't really give too much details as to like availability. It, It lists a little bit more of the technical. Aspects and the regulatory aspects of the car, but they do hope that the air car to be commercially available within twelve months. A pilot's license is required to drive the hybrid vehicle, so obviously this isn't going to be for you know the the mass population. I imagine it's just going to be in my mind. This is something maybe like a company CEO instead of having a private jet, they have this instead. I don't know if you if you remember um, the Sky Mall magazines. Oh yeah, you could get Cessnas out of that Sky Mall. Oh yeah. So I, I imagine this might be something similar. I don't think it li- lists a price though, but you know something like that. So some I wonder you'd probably have to. Ke- I wonder if you would have to keep it at an airport. I, um, maybe not. I don't
0: because, know. That's a good because question. if
1: if you if you're driving it, and you're just driving along. All of a sudden, there's a technical glitch and it turns into a plane <laughs> on the highway.
0: Well, hopefully your uh, self drive car is watching the <laughs> other lanes and you're not encroaching on another lane.
1: Right. So just a little bit more technical parameters of the car. The vehicle can fly at a maximum altitude of 18,000 feet and runs on fuel that is sold at any gas station. After landing, it took the car less than three minutes to transform back into a sports car and can reach speeds over 300 kilometers per hour, which is about 185 miles per hour and a range of 1,000 kilometers or about 620 miles. So you're not going to be crossing, you know, oceans or probably some states you could you could definitely fly from southern like southern to northern wisconsin and something like this pretty easily but that that would be about it at least on one tank of gas but um yeah just something a little fun i don't know what do you think about the the air car
0: it's not a bad idea they've had this idea out there for years so but but the one thing about that article that made me think is yeah this isn't going to be environmentally friendly because You want to reintroduce a gas engine into an airplane and everybody's trying to go electric
1: right now or hybrid
0: so what
1: yeah what is it 2035 they want all vehicles to be electric,
0: or Uh, at least be like a hybrid compatible but yeah. You know, they're trying to get rid of all this, and now they're inventing they're creating a
1: well,
0: this a jet air air car that runs strictly on gas I don't think or they're, petrol, depending on your country. I don't
1: location. think this could even get electric.
0: I mean that those engines aren't really that powerful enough. You need a mm-hmm. huge battery. Your car basically is it
1: would be too heavy if it was electric, I'd imagine.
0: Yeah, right now anyway. Yeah, like that's the thing with Couldn't like even... Teslas, you know.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is kind of, you know, again, it's not for the everyday driver. We're not going to see all of a sudden flying cars here and there, but it it might be something for, again, like an alternate to like a, uh, a private jet. I mean, I guess it would be a little bit more green in that way, rather than taking a, you know, having a private company jet, you would just for like one person to fly here or there, or instead of like, maybe like a person, personal plane. I mean, like, instead of having it like your own small Cessna, this would be, An alternative, but I imagine this would be limited to airports. I, and I don't know if it would, you know, what kind of roads it would be allowed on. Like, would it even be allowed in this, in a city or anything? Probably not
0: right away, but I don't know.
1: Yeah, because I only see one picture of it. I didn't actually go to the, to the website to see if it actually looks when it's not an airplane mode, if it actually just looks like a regular sports car, but, um, you know, parking, how's parking going to work? with it what you know what do you need in your garage if you need like a garage big enough for the wings and everything too so i to me it it's a neat concept but i think i think if anybody gets it you know probably very expensive and Mm probably i i would say it's just it would just be something limited to airports like flying between airport and you know like they said you do need a pilot's license yeah to to operate it so i don't know I, i think that's all the uh articles we had. I don't know. Do you have any other comments? I mean, the the whole summary is, is that like, where are cars going these days? I mean, they're going somewhere. Yeah. It's, it's, it's always interesting to see what kind of innovations are online, but also like how that impacts you as a driver. Like, what does this mean for you and your responsibility? What does this mean for new regulations? What does this mean for new grading Mm -hmm. systems? How, how are these cars going to impact driver responsibility Safety, insurance, like you said. So just just a host of things to really bring up. It's you think it's something as simple as cars, but you know, cars are part of everyday lives.
0: Yep, and there's a lot more involved with cars than you think.
1: Right. And and then even just I mean, for most of us, it's just one of the articles said, like an appliance to get from point A to point B, but you take even like any sort of engagement away. It's you know, what is that? what does that mean for you as a driver? Where does that leave you in terms of responsibility in terms of, you know, have, having that real feel of a car when you're driving it fast or even just going for like a drive somewhere and, and just enjoying, you know, the, the road and, you know, the country around you. Oh, yeah. So, and the, or the city around you and just just that experience too. I mean, does, do you think that driving is part of all that? Or do you think that the technology in it Freeze you up to enjoy like the aesthetics more of it. But again, the safety of it is that, and the insurance, you know, what, I mean, my thoughts are, you know, I, I actually think cars have taken, they're convenient. They're comfortable right now. I like driving as it is. And I do appreciate older vehicles more than newer ones. I don't know if I'd want any more taken away from right. me as I'm driving. I don't know what your feelings are. Oh, taken away there's yeah. there's so much of that that brings and you know it's driving especially when you take the same route every day driving can feel so lifeless after all most people don't even remember their commutes unless right. something critical happens because it's just the same thing they do every day but then you, you take the car out on a different road you take it on a road trip and it becomes much more meaningful and it's like, and part of that is the engagement of driving and how much of that experience do you want taken away? For me, I, I don't want any more taken away, really. I, I like it. I like driving where it is now. And I do appreciate the older vehicles, actually. I'd, rather, almost, I'd almost rather drive something that engages me a little bit more with the feeling of driving than taking it away. And all of a sudden, I'm just, all I'm doing is sitting there.
0: Yeah, I, enough has already been taken away. I'd actually like some of it back. I mean, mm-hmm. I'd like to be able to get a like I said earlier, a manual transmission, I'd like to, you know, I don't mind like the power assisted brakes or steering. That's fine. But like, Mm -hmm. I don't need my car to tell me what lane I need to be in. (laughs) It doesn't need to parallel park for me. I don't need that crap in my car. Everything's already so overcomplicated as it is. You take your, if something's wrong, you take it to the dealership or the Car repair place, they're more IT people than they are mechanics yeah, now. That
1: was going to be my next question, especially for you. I mean, you work you work a little bit on cars every now and again. Yeah, my dad's
0: more of the car guy than me.
1: <laughs> but he, he taught you quite a bit. Yeah. Um, I mean, when does it become more of a computer than actual mechanics that you you actually are able to work on? At what point, you know, does an oil, I mean, you could change the oil in a car if you need it to.
0: Oh, yeah, I could do it. But at
1: what point does that become like a void of warranty or, you know, it it requires now you have to bring it into IT specialist.
0: Well, the warranties would have to cover that to begin with. yeah. And that car manufacturers are never going to get to that point, at least anywhere near our lifetime. They're not going to cover like, oh, you can't change your own oil because you'd void the warranty. Well, then you need to be able to be able to cover the cost of that. Like that has to be part of like, that sort of deal, or like with your car, the package, you know, you got thrown on top. Hey, please buy this car, we'll give this to you for free. You can get a free oil yeah, change oil every change. time. So you right. never have to worry about it. Right. But for the people that don't do that or don't want to go down that route, you should never be penalized because you want to do something yourself.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But at, at what point can you not do anything yourself without a degree in computer science? Yeah,
0: that'd be more like the the brains, the computer, like if Mm -hmm. if you have like the insurance companies where you have their brain box that monitor your driving so you can get a better rate something goes wrong with that you can't do anything you have to actually take it like back to the insurance company and have them figure out what's wrong with the box because it's affecting your driving somehow it's probably going to be the same way with however they're going with the computerized cars these days just you can't do anything unless you're an IT professional. How would you know, like, oh, it's because this capacitor corroded on like R492, which is somewhere inside of a big giant box inside of your mm-hmm. your car. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it'll get crazy. Nobody wants to go through that. Right. And Then then how much is that going to cost you to have something like that fixed? Right.
1: Yeah. And, you know, people fix cars themselves partially to save money. Yeah. And at one, again, at one point, is that taken away from you too? Cause I know there's going to be car guys for and car girls for a long time who just right. enjoy just the feel of working on the car and you take that away. And there's, that's just another, I think to me, that's just another point of creativity and just a hobby that is just, it's become so technical in terms of more of a computer science, more of a computer engineering than actual car engineering that and just so complex that all right so that's I think we actually went a little a little long this that about wraps up today's articles so thanks again for listening to the underheard word share any thoughts or comments you have down below we do read them and you know we were curious to see what you think about all these changes specific to you know the the car industry and what that means for you as a driver Be sure to follow us on all of our social media accounts and subscribe to our channel.